Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses. So any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Lost in Revision. I'm here with Angel and Polly, as always. I know that our current listeners have noticed a change in our format. Due to some fairly severe health issues, our daily episodes have been postponed. They will return, possibly with a guest reader. For future episodes, there may be breaks in our daily releases, just so that no story will be interrupted. We will have them fully recorded and edited before they are released. The plus side to this is that patrons will have the full story available from the first day of release. All right, I will get this episode rolling now. Today, we are discussing the frog prince in honor of Angel's laryngitis and subsequent froggy voice. I hope you're feeling better, Angel. I'm working on it. I promise. (laughs) I could just talk down here. That might help. (laughs) Even if it doesn't sound like it. This is a vast improvement over how my voice has sounded since the end of May. Well, we support your full recovery and even changed which story we were covering so that we could lovingly tease you. So no rush. And Polly, I hope you are well also. I'm good. You know, when I was little, my granddad called me Pollywog. Drove my grandmother up the wall. He called my brother Thad Tadpole. <laughs> I'll have to use that one on Thad. Does he listen or can I catch him off guard? Tune in next time to find out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So why don't we get started with the history and cultures of this story? Well, the version I selected is the one written down by the Brothers Grimm, but the brothers were inspired by French author Charles Perrault, who actually composed the tale to amuse adults. Although it was published in a children's collection, the tale was considered inappropriate for children. So was it the frog tossing or the kissing and bed sharing that they found inappropriate? Because all the Grimm's tales have worse violence than meeting a wall suddenly. (laughs) (laughs) The frog tossing was actually a shock to me. Um, One more interesting thing to note, in neither of these versions does the princess ever kiss the frog. That is something that was added in more modern versions of the story, most likely somewhere in the 19th century, Uh, though I suppose it could be considered more chaste to have to kiss the frog than to have him sleep in your bed. Yeah, the story may have just been too racy for children. In my opinion, the princess and the frog are both pretty selfish. The princess is a spoiled, youngest, prettiest daughter, and the frog doesn't really care for her more than just a means to an end. You know, that of breaking his curse. Well, I would have more sympathy for a cursed character, but honestly, being a frog seems like a nice life right now. (laughs) I'd love a nice puddle to sit in. (laughs) Right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been rumored that frogs in fairy tales are a metaphor for Nero, whom detractors refer to as frog-like. You know, in literature, Nero, too, is depicted as thinking only of himself. Well, Nero does fit the slimy, disgusting frog imagery. Well, that would be an example of a detractor. <laughs> <laughs> the version I grew up with is from a book of grim tales that was published in 1936. It starts like this one that you read, but it ends very differently, <laughs> which of course sent me into research mode. I found a note by the editor of the 1936 version 
where she says something that makes me wonder if there isn't a much more adult version of this story out there somewhere. <laughs> How did we not find that one? <laughs> I know, because I went looking. <laughs> I just grabbed the one off of Gutenberg. <laughs> Yeah, but we research all the other ones, too, and I never saw that. Somebody's not sharing links. <laughs> they may not have put some of the other ones online just yet. We need to go search the dark web. Anyway, in her notes, she is quoted as saying, I do not believe in writing down to children, but since these stories were originally written to include adults, it seemed advisable to simplify some sections in order that the 4 to 12 age group might be assured of getting the full value of the stories. That made me go, hmm, especially <laughs> with this phrase about the 1936 story. There are many versions of the Frog Prince. One of these, sanctioned by the Brothers Grimm, has the ending which I have used. In it, too, the incident about Iron Henry is omitted. Incident? Iron Henry? She says nothing else. My mind was whirling and wondering just what version she read that is possibly even more detailed than the one you just read to us. <laughs> was she talking about Faithful Henry with the iron bands around his heart to keep it from breaking? It makes me wonder why Faithful Henry was so distraught over his master's plight, unless they were more than servant and master. In most versions, he just sort of shows up at the end with no explanation, other than that he was the prince's servant who loved him dearly. I think so, because I couldn't find anything that would be an incident to my way of thinking. It set my imagination wandering into some interesting territory i mean the band's breaking couldn't be the only reason they called him iron henry and some <laughs> versions of this story have him as the title character instead of the frog prince he's, he's like um fate iron heinrich is one of the versions title well those super unhealthy bands only broke loose from around his heart after his prince hooked up with someone else though maybe they were just Around his chest, like on the outside, like in the heart region. Well, either way, that can't have been healthy. You know, this story is one instance where the brothers did not, in fact, publish the darkest or most sinister version of this story. In some of the tales, the parents aren't as noble as this father. Um, in some versions, the daughter is horribly abused. In one, she is threatened with homelessness if she doesn't bring back water in a sieve. Um, in some of them, the parent is dying and can only be saved by drinking water from the well. And the princess is only allowed by the frog to draw the water if she promises to let him sleep with her for three nights. So many versions have the daughter facing horrible consequences if she refuses to sleep with the frog. Is a promise by coercion still a promise? A trait of companionship for a treasure seems less nefarious than blackmail for her parents' life. Well, as long as it breaks the curse, the frog considers it fair play. Nice for the frog. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going to move on into the reading of the story. Why don't you just go get out of here and tell me good day if you want to? Why don't you just leave me here with another sad song in my heart? I don't need you telling me everything that you're going to do. 
The Frog Prince. In the olden time, when wishing was having, there lived a king whose daughters were all beautiful. But the youngest was so exceedingly beautiful that the sun himself, although he saw her very often, was enchanted every time she came out into the sunshine. Near the castle of this king was a large and gloomy forest, and in the midst stood an old lime tree beneath whose branches splashed a little fountain. So whenever it was very hot. The king's youngest daughter ran off into this wood and sat down by the side of this fountain, and when she felt dull, would often divert herself by throwing a golden ball up in the air and catching it. And this was her favorite amusement. Now one day it happened that this golden ball, when the king's daughter threw it into the air, did not fall down into her hand, but on the grass, and then it rolled past her into the fountain. The king's daughter followed the ball with her eyes, but it disappeared beneath the water, which was so deep. That no one could see to the bottom. Then she began to lament and to cry louder and louder. And as she cried, a voice called out, "Why weepest thou, O king's daughter? Thy tears would melt even a stone to pity." And she looked around to the spot whence the voice came, and saw a frog stretching his thick, ugly head out of the water. "Ah, you old water paddler!" said she. "Was it you that spoke?" I am weeping for my golden ball, which has slipped away from me into the water. Be quiet and do not cry," answered the frog. "I can give thee good advice, but what wilt thou give me if I fetch thy plaything up again? What will you have, dear frog?" said she. "My dresses, my pearls and jewels, or the golden crown which I wear?" The frog answered, "Dresses or jewels or golden crowns are not for me, but if thou wilt love me." And let me be thy companion and playfellow, and sit at thy table and eat from thy little golden plate, and drink out of thy cup and sleep in thy little bed. If thou wilt promise me all these things, then I will dive down and fetch up thy golden ball. Oh, I will promise you all," said she, "if you will only get me my ball. But she thought to herself, "What is the silly frog chattering about? Let him remain in the water with his equals. He cannot mix in society." But the frog, as soon as he had received her promise, drew his head under the water and dived down. Presently, he swam up again with the ball in his mouth and threw it on the grass. The king's daughter was full of joy when she saw again her beautiful plaything, and taking it up, she ran off immediately. "Stop! Stop!" cried the frog. "Take me with thee. I cannot run as thou canst." But all his croaking was useless. Although it was loud enough, the king's daughter did not hear it. But hastening home, soon forgot the poor frog, who was obliged to leap back into the fountain. The next day, when the king's daughter was sitting at table with her father and all his courtiers, and was eating from her own little golden plate, something was heard coming up the marble stairs: splish splash, splish splash. And when it arrived at the top, it knocked at the door, and a voice said, "Open the door, thou youngest daughter of the king." So she rose and went to see who it was that called her. But when she opened the door and caught sight of the frog, she shut it again with great vehemence and sat down at the table, looking very pale. But the king perceived that her heart was beating violently and asked her whether it were a giant who had come to fetch her away, who stood at the door. "Oh no," answered she, "it is no giant, but an ugly frog." "What does the frog want with you?" said the king. "Oh, dear father, when I was sitting yesterday playing by the fountain, my golden ball fell into the water." And this frog fetched it up again because I cried so much. But first, I must tell you, he pressed me so much that I promised him he should be my companion. 
I never thought that he could come out of the water, but somehow he has jumped out, and now he wants to come in here. At that moment there was another knock, and a voice said, King's daughter, youngest, open the door. Hast thou forgotten thy promises made, at the fountain so clear neath the lime tree's shade? King's daughter, youngest, open the door. Then the king said, What you have promised, that you must perform. Go and let him in. So the king's daughter went and opened the door, and the frog hopped in after her right up to her chair, and as soon as she was seated, the frog said, Take me up. But she hesitated so long that at last the king ordered her to obey. And as soon as the frog sat on the chair, he jumped onto the table and said, Now push thy plate near me, that we may eat together. And she did so, but as everyone saw, very unwillingly. The frog seemed to relish his dinner very much, but every bit that the king's daughter ate nearly choked her, till at last the frog said, I have satisfied my hunger, and feel very tired. Wilt thou carry me upstairs now into thy chamber, and make thy bed ready that we may sleep together? At this speech the king's daughter began to cry, for she was afraid of the cold frog, and dared not touch him, and besides, he actually wanted to sleep in her own beautiful clean bed. But her tears only made the king very angry, and he said, He who helped you in your time of trouble must not now be despised. So she took the frog up with two fingers, and put him in a corner of her chamber. But as she lay in her bed, he crept up to it and said, I am so very tired that I shall sleep well. Do take me up, or I will tell thy father. This speech put the king's daughter in a terrible passion, and catching the frog up, she threw him with all her strength against the wall, saying, Now will you be quiet, you ugly frog? But as he fell, he was changed from a frog into a handsome prince, with beautiful eyes, who, after a little while, became, with her father's consent, her dear companion and betrothed. Then he told her how he had been transformed by an evil witch, and that no one but herself could have had the power to take him out of the fountain, and that on the morrow they would go together into his own kingdom. The next morning, as soon as the sun rose, a carriage drawn by eight white horses with ostrich feathers on their heads and golden bridles drove up to the door of the palace, and behind the carriage stood trusty Henry, the servant of the young prince. When his master was changed into a frog, trusty Henry had grieved so much that he had bound three iron bands round his heart, for fear it should break with grief and sorrow. But now that the carriage was ready to carry the young prince to his own country, the faithful Henry helped in the bride and bridegroom, and placed himself in the seat behind, full of joy at his master's release. They had not proceeded far when the prince heard a crack, as if something had broken behind the carriage. So he put his head out of the window, and asked Henry what had broken, and Henry answered, "'It was not the carriage, my master, but a band which I bound round my heart when it was in such grief because you were changed into a frog.' Twice afterwards on the journey there was the same noise, and each time the prince thought that it was some part of the carriage that had given way, but it was only the breaking of the bands which bound the heart of the trusty Henry, who was thenceforward free and happy. And we're back. So now we can move on to our favorite parts or versions. Faithful Henry is the true hero of the story. He seems to be the only one who really had anything on the line at all, except the prince, who obviously had gotten himself cursed somehow. But do we really think that wasn't his fault? I mean, come on. Curses are usually brought upon yourself, unless they're bestowed in infancy. 
Well, unless you piss off the stepmother or your parents don't invite the powerful fae. Because let's be honest, how many of our curses are just family history handed down to us? It's like tradition, which is just peer pressure from dead people. (laughs) Well, breaking the family trauma curse is always worthwhile, but when the bands break loose, people think you broke the whole wagon. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. You know, when I read this version, I was very confused. Oh my god, me too. The story started exactly like the one I read as a child, even to the little golden ball and the frog knocking on the door. But my version ended very differently, and I had no memory of a Henry character. (laughs) I spent days scrambling trying to find the version I remembered reading. The ending of this story really upset me with her throwing the frog against the wall and then poof, the curse was broken. What the heck? Yes. I was wondering if he would just be a human dead body like in the werewolf movies. (laughs) I mean, anybody can abuse a frog. (laughs) Yeah. Like in the Chinese versions where the prince was stomping on all the frogs around the palace and he was married to the frog king's daughter. Come on. Have some sense. (laughs) I mean, what did she do in this version that was so awesome to break the curse? I mean, I do agree that in this version, Henry is definitely the true hero and most likely the true love of the prince. (laughs) Once he was no longer a frog, the princess has no lines at all. It's just like, you're coming with me now. This is Henry. He is the truest and most faithful person in my life. But... We need you to help us fake out any future witches with an agenda so we won't get cursed again. (laughs) Well, when you have a really nice beard. (laughs) That would be Casey with the nice beard. I'm not sure his (laughs) wife would appreciate that implication, Polly. (laughs) Hey, at least she's getting a compliment. She's both nice and pretty. (laughs) My guess is he was a selfish prince who flirted with a witch, even though he already had Henry's love, made the witch mad because he was toying with her and being unfaithful. That would explain why being a victim of abuse would break the curse. He was abusive, and so he had to be abused in turn. Dark. I like it. Man, we really do need to start writing our own fairy tales. That's awesome. We do. (laughs) We would be so good at it. So... My favorite part of this story is the grim version that I read as a child. In that story, she doesn't sling him against the wall. I'm really never going to get over that breaking the spell, just so you know. I mean, it's better than chopping off his head, I guess. (laughs) In my favorite version, she picks him up off the floor and puts him at the foot of her bed after a very descriptive ploppity plop of him hopping from the corner where she put him at first to the side of the bed. And she was all crying into a pillow while he reclined in the soft cushions at the end of the bed. Much better than hitting a wall. But in the morning, he hopped down off the bed and disappeared. He came back the next night, same knock and reminder of the promise, eating from her plate, drama before being carried to her room. However, that night, he insisted on sleeping under her pillow. Frogs don't usually do too well under pillows. (laughs) I'd have been better off in her water glass on the nightstand. (laughs) (laughs) 
nevertheless he ends up up there with her and the pillow and oh the tears but she kept her promise and then in the morning when he crawled out from under the pillow and hit the floor he was a young prince with handsome friendly eyes i really liked the friendly eyes instead of the google-eyed frog description oh froggy eyes are friendly too frog eyes are so friendly i love them <laughs> you Remember, I wasn't the little girl who was all into frogs and snakes and stuff. <laughs> I had a big orange toad that lived in my yard when I was growing up and a knock-shelled box turtle. My mom had to check all our pockets for garter snakes when she did laundry. <laughs> <laughs> well, Angel, you met my frogs back in Georgia when you came over, and I wasn't even a kid anymore. And the tank they were in, Polly gave to me for them. <laughs> Well, I got better about frogs after I grew up. I eventually ended up making my living doing frog surgeries for a while. <laughs> um, still don't like snakes, though. But anyway, in the story, the prince tells her about the curse and yada, 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 standard fairy tale operating procedure until the part where my version had him, where my version had him ask her, and will you let me be your playmate now? She laughs and they both begin to play with the golden ball. But it is the last paragraph that I really love and I find so different from so many other fairy tales. It went, <clears throat> for years, they were the best of friends and the happiest of playmates. And it is not hard to guess, I'm sure, that when they were grown up, they were married and lived happily ever after. The story acknowledged that this all happened to children and then it let them remain children and spend years becoming best friends before choosing to get married. Ah, oh, what a frickin' breath of fresh air was that for my impressionable little girl brain. I love it when fairy tales are about children instead of romance. You know, the Snow Queen, the inspiration for Frozen, had three children as the main protagonist. And of course, Hansel and Gretel is also about children. And no one was looking to get hitched? What kind of medieval future did they expect to have? <laughs> one where you don't mess around with forest witches and cave trolls. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Stay out of my woods and get off my lawn. All right. Let's move on. What do you what do you think the original authors were trying to teach their readers? Well, the obvious first lesson is that one must honor one's promises. This applies to the princess, of course, but in my speculation about Faithful Henry, it also applies to the prince. Mm. Mm. Well, the Grimm brothers were purposefully emphasizing two traits that were very important in German culture. Obedience to parents and keeping promises yeah the dad here was pretty reasonable but he definitely thought highly of keeping one's word in both the french and the german version i love the dad after all the stories we have read it is nice to finally get past some of our daddy issues <laughs> sort of um what i like is he never blinks he holds the line that you make a promise you keep a promise doesn't matter how awful doing so may be you should be more careful with your words in the future. That is often a harsh and not fun lesson to learn. And there are far too few people who actually learn it. 
We live in an age of advertising where exaggerated claims and photoshopped images are the norm. This story taught me when I was a kid to be very stingy with promises. As we have already well established, I am not the spider, snake, and all things squishy and crawly (laughs) member of this crew. The thought of picking up a frog and having it on the dinner table was just, ew. It was enough to make me want to be sure I didn't promise something I couldn't deliver. Well, maybe that's why I give off Hag in the Wood vibes, because I've always been on the side of the creepy crawly (laughs) froggies and snakes in the woods. (laughs) (laughs) but that makes sense and in the chinese versions the parents also had to step in and tell the prince to stop stomping on his wife's frogs because it was bringing bad fortune on the entire kingdom (laughs) so i mean i don't want a frogs eating out of my plate but no stomping (laughs) them they're creatures too I didn't want to hurt the frogs. I just didn't want to, you know, sleep with them. (laughs) So what parts do you think modern audiences could learn from? You should definitely consider consequences before making promises. The princess made a hasty promise because she thought she wouldn't have to keep it or that it wouldn't be that bad. And people do that all the time when they use credit irresponsibly, thinking they can get quick satisfaction. But then repaying the favor at 30% interest comes back to haunt them. Amen. Well... As one of my shall-not-be-named family members once told me, Marie Angelina, don't ever let your mouth write a check that your ass can't cash. (laughs) That's some seriously good advice. Yeah. I don't even give my mouth a checkbook anymore. (laughs) Careful. Debit cards are faster to use than actually writing a check. Well, I have learned to budget better as a result of my past promises as well. So... (laughs) To close us up, to close. So, what do you think happened? So, what do you think happened after the story, ladies? Well, I certainly hope faithful Henry found someone to love him as much as he loved his frog prince. <laughs> well, with this version, I think the prince and Iron Henry lived happily ever after and helped the princess grow up into a truly fabulous woman. She ended up with an amazing wardrobe and the best friends a girl could ever hope for. It would be awesome if she also became some sort of suffragette and began one of the first protests for women's right to actually select their own husbands. Oh my, how revolutionary. Well... (laughs) I think that faithful Henry died a long and painful death after the iron band snapped loose and caused internal bleeding. Oh my God, that's awful. (laughs) And then Wesley had a relapse and Buttercup's horse threw a shoe. (laughs) You totally got my reference. I love you, Polly. (laughs) Oh my goodness. We made it through. We made it through the rain. (laughs) thanks for joining us today check us out on patreon you can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires and helps keep this show alive and growing if you can't afford to support us financially go give us a good review subscribe or follow and share with your friends and family Feel free to fact check us and offer suggestions to make our show better for you. You can also send us an email at lostinrevisionpodcast at gmail.com. There's a lot more waiting for us all at the end of the road.